0: I'm Tommy Salmons. This is year zero. For nearly 18 years, the United States has had a presence, a military presence in Afghanistan. And this past Saturday, Trump broke off negotiations with the Taliban. To end the longest war in U.S. history, a lot of the talk seems to be around the fact that the Taliban claimed credit for an attack last week that killed 10 people, including a United States soldier. But no one seems to be talking about the continued U.S. attacks in Afghanistan. The fact that there are still bombings and drone strikes and military actions taking place by the U.S. in Afghanistan. And for this reason, blowback continues. No one wants to talk about the U.S. as an occupying force, as a foreign invader in Afghanistan. Instead, they say that Trump has long wanted to pull out of Afghanistan, and these months And months of peace talks were going his way until this fatal attack that killed one United States soldier. They don't look at the money wasted and the lives wasted, the time wasted. All the resources wasted. They look at this one United States soldier that was killed. Ten innocent people killed. Not all the lives that could be spared in the upcoming years. My son, next year, will enlist. Well, he has enlisted And next year, he will leave for boot camp in the Marines, despite what I think about it. He was born two months before the attack on 9-11, while I was still in basic training, Fort Benning, Georgia. And if he gets sent to Afghanistan, he will be amongst a new generation of kids entering a war that started around the time of their birth or prior to their birth. A friend of mine's son is in basic training now. He was less than a year old when the attacks on 9-11 happened. The fact is we have generational war taking place. And for as long as the United States has been involved in Afghanistan, they've suffered very little casualties, somewhere around 2,500 casualties in an 18-year period. Killing hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Afghanis. Some Taliban-related some citizens there have arguably been more war crimes committed in this 18 year period than there have been U.S. casualties yet the rhetoric sticks well Trump has been wanting to end this since the days of his campaign Trump had been telling Obama on Twitter during Obama's presidency in 2013 that he needed to end the war in Afghanistan. Well, Trump was opposed to Obama in every way, shape, or form you could imagine. And the longer he drags this out, the more bullshit excuses he finds to keep the assault on Afghanistan going on. The more I think his opposition to the war in Afghanistan was merely opposition to that Kenyan Muslim that was the president of the United States at the time. That he never really cared about the wars. That he never really cared about how many kids come home with PTSD, how many suicides take place because of the things that these soldiers have experienced and have seen. That he just never gave a shit. He didn't give a fuck. About the trillions of dollars being spent. He certainly doesn't care about the lives being lost. That now all Trump's thinking about is looking tough. Now, there's a lot of credit to be given to Trump for not starting a new war in his first term in office though he's ramped up rhetoric in many instances as if he's ready to start another war, whether it be with Iran or North Korea or whoever. Fortunately, it hadn't happened. Fortunately, it hadn't taken place. But he surrounded himself with people like John Bolton and Mike Pompeo, who were exceedingly overjoyed to send other people's children to foreign nations to die, come back scarred, damaged, dismembered, and suicidal. And he put these people in these places, in these positions of power, with their opinions on war being the fine line between life and death for many, many, many people around the world. And I would suggest that If Orange Hitler were honestly looking to get out of these conflicts, Mike Pompeo and John Bolton would be the last people he would want to be in these positions, that he'd be looking for more reasonable voices that aren't so gung ho a uh, using military force to embark on empire around the world world word the word i guess the word would be bird and the bird is a bald eagle soaring high dropping bombs like a drone overhead And then you got a thing about Trump's psyche and about how much he likes people giving him credit, how how he likes those that talk talk high about him, like give him high praise, and that the only praise he's ever gotten as the president of the United States is when he was dropping bombs on Syria or when he dropped a Moab in Afghanistan, and that maybe he saw how negotiations with Kim Jong-un were looking and how the media reported on these negotiations, and he decided that this path that led the media to condemn him as weak and a lover of dictators and whatever else they have to say has led to a change in how he views foreign policy. That his ego is so in need of stroking from these elitists, from these people he used to party with all the time as a business magnet, that he just can't stand the thought of them calling him weak. And that he has to continue to keep troops in Syria or sell arms to Saudi Arabia by vetoing a bill that was meant to stop it and leave it up to a vote in Congress on whether or not we should be intervening in Yemen. That if the media pushed hard enough, they could probably get another war started. See, the Trump candidacy is fun in many ways because Trump knows these people from lobbying these people, from buying favors from all these people. He spent time with the media. He was reportedly, at one time, really good friends with Joe Scarborough. I remember during the campaign, there was um, a recording of Joe Scarborough on the phone with Donald Trump prior to an interview. And Donald Trump was like, yeah, let's just not talk about this and let's not talk about that. Like, just just keep it on these topics. And Joe Scarborough, yes, yes, massa. Anything you say, Massa, I got your back, Orange Massa. But but today it's a different story. Joe Scarborough has turned to a never Trump type platform and Donald Trump and him don't see eye to eye anymore. But it doesn't mean that Trump does, no, does not have those feelings of being wanted by the media, that these elitists that he had always spent so much time with, that he always identified with, that he's partied with, went to weddings with that he wants to be back in their good graces. And while it's fun to watch him tweak the media with his Twitter and his trolling and make no mistake, he is a master troll. I think they are starting to figure out how to tweak him back. And how to get him to act in the way they want him to act. Yeah, they still call him racist and Hitler and fascist and all this other crazy shit. But they realized the hyperbole wasn't getting them to where they wanted to be. And that by calling him weak... Challenging his manhood, challenging his competency, his cowardice, the size of his penis, basically, they could get Trump to dance to their jig. So now we got kind of a Mexican standoff of sorts to where you have the media pulling his strings and he's pulling the media's strings and they're going back and forth. And it leaves citizens, everyday citizens, in a state of limbo. Where we don't know from day to day whether or not our children or our, our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers are going to continue to be fighting the longest war in U.S. history or if they're going to be coming home finally. Now, I know Mike Pompeo says there's still a chance that talks can come back, uh, recommence in the future and that the deal that was meant to be signed on September 23rd seems to be pulled off the table. I also know that originally the Taliban had said they will negotiate. Once all American troops are out of the country and they folded on that and they went ahead and met the U S oh, excuse me, the U S at the negotiating table, despite the U S refusing to pull out troops prior to the negotiations taking place. But it was under the assumption that the U.S. would pull all troops after the negotiations were taking place. And that part of the negotiations with the Taliban was to be the extraction of all United States military presence in the country. And that was until last week when Donald Trump decided that, no, we're going to keep 8,600 military troops in the country. And I believe it was after that, that the attack took place that killed one U.S. soldier. Now I'm not saying for sure that it was a reaction to the United States claiming that they were going to keep American military in the nation of Afghanistan. But I wouldn't be shocked if they were sending a message saying, hey, no, that's not part of the deal, fellas. The deal was that you extract all military presence from our country. Because ultimately, the Taliban are a bunch of hillbilly nationalists. They. It would be like sitting down at the negotiating table with a bunch of mountaineers from Kentucky or a bunch of coal miners from Pennsylvania. These are guys that just want to be left alone. They have a rough life there. They're out plowing fields and and working crops in 120-degree temperatures it's not a fun life they don't have central heat and air they don't have all the amenities that we're used to here in the u.s these people are living a rough life and the last thing they need is a bunch of fucking assholes from another country dropping bombs on their head while they're just trying to survive. See, the thing is, I really don't believe that Donald Trump ever really wanted to get these in these wars. I don't believe he ever had any intention of pulling the troops out of any of these countries. I believe that Donald Trump looked at the trends of politics and elections in the United States. And one of the things he realized was that in every election, the anti war candidate wins. The candidate that is discussing a non-interventionist style policy, louder and more believable than the other candidate. And so being an outsider, he felt he had an advantage in this, in this field. He was never really tied to the Republican Party. He wasn't one of those Republicans that started one of these wars. He wasn't related to one of those Republicans. Actually, it was very easy for him to say, hey, look, that Republican, George W. Bush, that started this bullshit really fucked us over in Iraq. And that surge that Obama tried in uh, Afghanistan, it failed. And I'm not one of those guys. And he knew he could say that. And he knew he could say, well, we need to end these wars. And he could say it over and over and over again. And once in office, he didn't have to deliver. He just keeps throwing, you know, a little ear candy here and there, trying to make sure that, hey, I didn't forget, I said I wanted to end these fucking wars, and I'm trying, but these fucking assholes, they ain't going to let me. You got these guys like John Bolton and Mike Pompeo, fucking won't let me in these fucking wars. All these generals that I happen to appoint, don't, they, they don't want me to end these fucking wars. They won't let me do what I said I was going to do. And just like every president before him whether they promised to close guantanamo bay or promised to that there would be no more nation building he knew that his campaign rhetoric did not have to match his governing style that his record governing had nothing to do with his campaign because once the campaign was over and he won the election, well, there wasn't anything anybody could do until the next election. And all he's going to say is, well, y'all hear me. I keep saying I want to do this shit, but these people keep stepping in front of me. They keep getting in my damn way. They're not going to let me do it. Every time I tried to pull troops out of Syria, and they stopped me, and they said, you're a fucking idiot. So I compromised. But I thought the election of Donald Trump was the end of compromise. Isn't that what those who voted for Donald Trump were trying to say? Either fix it or burn it to the ground? Isn't that what they wanted? They wanted to drain the swamp. Right? But is the swamp drained? Or is it even possible to drain the swamp? Is it so deeply embedded that it's not a swamp? That it's an entire continent of marshlands? Maybe it runs deeper than a swamp. I don't know. I'm just telling you what I think. I don't think he ever had any intention of doing the things that he said he was going to do. I don't think he ever had any intention of ending these wars. I think the only thing that Donald Trump truly believed in when he came into office was saying what he needed to say to get into office. And that's just like any other politician. And is that what people voted for? Is that what they wanted? More of the same? More broken promises? Higher debt? Was it a trillion dollar deficit last year? I think it was. I don't know. I think it's interesting that more people don't get frustrated by the wars by the constant absence of family members, by the centralization of wealth around Washington, D.C., since 9-11, 2001. I find it interesting that no matter what these politicians say, and do, no matter how corrupt they are, how much they lie, that people defend them, they defend them like the abused wife defending the alcoholic husband that just got done throwing her down a flight of stairs. It's pretty miraculous to me that there's no sense of independence in this country. That there's no sense of willingness to truly turn over the tables. That people just swallow the bullshit that they're fed. And we have to fight them over there so they don't come over here. You hear, oh, what's his name? Crenshaw. I can't remember his first name. On uh, Joe Rogan. And he's saying, basically saying that we have to go fight them over there so they don't so we don't have to fight fight him here in a more sophisticated manner. He's found a more unique way of saying it, but that's all he's saying. And that that's his main disagreement with Tulsi Gabbard. And is this what's being whispered in Trump's ear? Or is it, is it like the, the Yemen bill that he vetoed in that if we end these wars, if we stop killing people in all these foreign nations, then it's going to cost millions of Americans jobs. That all these arms manufacturers and drug manufacturers are going to lose a bunch of money. And they're going to have to lay off a lot of Americans. And we're on the brink of a recession. We can't afford to lose jobs right now. China's pushed us into a position where we don't have a choice but to fight this trade war. And to be able to afford to fight this trade war, all these Americans that are working for Raytheon and Boeing, Northrop Grumman, they can't, we can't afford to have them losing their jobs. That's trillions and trillions of dollars of GDP. And we need that GDP. I don't think Trump is quite quite as sophisticated to be able to think of excuses of that magnitude. I don't think he understands economics well enough to think along those lines, but I'm sure somebody in his administration has knows the narrative surrounding the great depression and World War II and they could easily feed him lines like hey World War II got us out of the Great Depression I know everybody listening to this show knows that's a bunch of fucking bullshit but truth is a lot of people believe that and if they've convinced him that hey all these manufacturing jobs that war creates all this money flowing into the economy that war creates. You have to negate the negative effects of this trade war so that you can be reelected in 2020. You don't want the American people going into The election cycle feeling a lot of economic pain now, do you? So we might have to ramp up some military action overseas. We're going to have to sign another arms deal with Saudi Arabia. Can't be getting out of these deals now. Ain't no time to feel pain right now. All we have to do is put the recession off until after you win re-election. Then, then we can figure out the economy. But until then, we need to hold the line. need that status quo. Don't go rocking the boat. And what does an oligarch do when challenged with the loss of power? Whatever they have to do to hold on to that power. And I think that's what Trump's doing. So, that's my two cents on the subject. I ain't got nothing else to say about that. But I thank y'all for tuning in. Now, I'll have another episode for you here in a day or two. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.